This is Chaos Cast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics, and software from the Community Health Analytics Open Source Software, or short Chaos Project, to wherever you like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sustain a community of open source enthusiasts and professionals that care about the future of open source. Learn more at sustainoss.org. On the panel today, we have Matt Snell. Hi there, I'm Matt Snell. I'm a member of the Chaos Diversity and Inclusion Badging Initiative. I'm here to help out and make sure that the reviews go as they're supposed to. Ruth Ikiga. Hi, everyone. Um, Ruth Ikigar, and I'm a viewer with the Chaos Badging Initiative, and I also contribute to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Working Group in Chaos, and I'm from Nigeria. Matt Germanprey. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Germanprey, and I'm one of the founders of the Chaos Project, co-founders, I should say. I'm currently on the board of the Chaos Project and a longtime participant in the Chaos DNI Badging Initiative. Very happy to be here. And myself, Georg Link. Hi, everyone. Good to be back with you. I'm a co founder of the Chaos Project. I still remember when we started the Diversity and Inclusion Working Group. We had conversations at FOSDEM and it was the first working group that we started in Chaos. It was quite amazing. Other things that I do, I'm director of sales at Biturgia, and I'm the lead for the community advisory group at the IEEE SA Open. And today we want to talk about the diversity and inclusion badging initiative at the Chaos Project. And we invited Rachel and Celia from the Linux Foundation as applicants to the project who earned the gold badge for various events that they're hosting. And so I'm super excited to introduce them and then talk about how this uh, badging process works and share some insights. So Rachel, Celia, welcome. Thank you. My name is Rachel Braun. I am an event and meeting planner at the Linux Foundation. I have been with the LF for a little over a year. I actually came on about a month before everything, the world shut down with COVID. So it's been an interesting experience. I think I've gotten to see a lot of things that obviously I would not have had we not been in a global pandemic. But I also have not seen a lot of the other side of event planning at the Linux Foundation. So I think it's been an interesting experience, but we got virtual under our belt now, and I'm really excited to hopefully get back to in-person soon. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Welcome. Hey, everyone. I'm Celia Stamps, also an event and meeting planner at the Linux Foundation. I've been here for a little over three years now and currently live in Durham, North Carolina. Before the LF, I've spent some time a little bit all over the place and in various different backgrounds from private clubs to tech startups to elite social venues in Los Angeles. So being at the LF has been a great change of pace and definitely somewhere I'm settling in. Wonderful. I'm super excited to hear about your experiences some more. 
since today's episode is about the diversity and inclusion badging initiative, I want to first start with what was the goal of starting this initiative? And this question is targeted towards our chaos members. The DEI or DNI, depending on your timeline, badging initiative, we were kind of trying to find a way to move diversity and inclusion into the space of open source events and projects in a way that it hasn't really been done before. And we wanted to look into um, starting an organization on the GitHub platform that we can provide badges to reward people for fostering better diversity and inclusion efforts in their own spaces in the open source kind of community. So we created the DEI Bashing Initiative. And lo and behold, after creating the workflow and launching last September of 2020, we've had lots of applications. Right now we're servicing events and generally we've gotten applications for virtual events. We're really excited to see, like Rachel had said there, that we want to see how the in-person events work as well and uh, how we can award badges efficiently to them. And just to mention, we just launched the second version of the diversity and inclusion badging initiative where we have some updates and we have some nice semantic changes, but uh, just worth mentioning on the podcast here. You know, I'll add to what Matt was just talking about in the chaos project more broadly. The goal of the chaos project is the development of metrics to get a better understanding of the health and sustainability of projects, initiatives that people are having. And one of the challenges is that many of the metrics that we have are deployable or they can be deployed using software. So for example, some of the metrics that we take a look at are around risk or they're around the evolution of a project and they may focus on things like pull requests or issues or commits. With DEI, many of those metrics are not deployable through software or through trace data. And so the DEI badging initiative is a way to really ensure that the DNI metrics have a positive impact in the world. So in, in putting together this initiative, it's to bring forward metrics like family friendliness, metrics like diversity access tickets, metrics like attendee demographics, bring them forward and in an open and transparent way, work with folks like Rachel and Celia to really, as Matt said, highlight the good work that is doing, but also have a platform where we can all learn better ways to really center DEI and in this case, our events or down the road in our projects. So thank you for explaining the background of why we started the DI badging initiative. Now, this is the chaos perspective. Taking a look from an events perspective, Rachel and Celia, what drew you to the DEI badging and why do you think this is an important initiative for events to participate in? So it was important for us at the Linux Foundation to participate in this program. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is really important for us in general. And it seemed like a really exciting opportunity to participate, you know, I think Matt had said that it started in September of 2020. You know, it was exciting to kind of start at the beginning with you all. You know, we collect a lot of the information and have collected a lot of the kind of demographic and diversity and inclusion initiative information from the start. 
but we weren't necessarily using it in a way that was public facing. So we had the information, but you know, what were we actually doing with it and how were we showing our event attendees and prospective attendees, how we are working towards becoming and being diverse and inclusive. And so I think that was one of the really important features of why we are choosing to participate in the badging program and implementing it here is just to hold ourselves accountable. And, you know, like I mentioned, we did collect that information and we were implementing a lot of really great practices, but this is helping us be accountable. And it's kind of a third party view of what we're doing at the Linux Foundation, which I think is really important. It's not just us patting ourselves on the back saying good job, but it's someone validating that we are taking the right step and, you know, we're working towards progress and we're making progress. So I think that was important. And kind of just piggybacking off of what Rachel said there, you know, it's great to hold ourselves accountable for this, but also to have an outside organization or project that we can work with that is also learning new things from outside of the Linux Foundation and, you know, during the application review process can share examples from other events that have applied. If there's something really interesting that you've seen or like a new way of doing something, sharing that with us so that we can implement those actions as well. And it's like you said, not just us kind of saying that we are a diverse and inclusive organization, but we actually have the actions to uphold that statement. And it's really nice to hear that you have such an interest in improving rather than just meeting the checks. I had got the idea of that from how you had applied and what you had said in your applications, but it's really nice to meet you and hear how much you care about this. It's worth mentioning as well, the badging initiative is focusing a lot on adding metrics questions and adding new metrics all of the time. So as we come up with these new releases, we're going to have more questions to ask and things that we want to help people improve on. I think this is an interesting time now to point out how the badge actually works because it's not just a checklist of hey we make sure that we are inclusive we have a code of conduct at the event i know that is one of the things that is being asked but the process to the badging was if i understand it right designed to help event organizers even have a dialogue with the community on how to improve the diversity, equity, and inclusion. So maybe if you can talk a little bit about the process of getting a badge. So this process is actually a process that we learned somewhere else. So it's from Arfan Smith and his Journal of Open Source Software. So Arfan had put together a process by which pieces of software that would not otherwise be published, say like a paper would be published, but a piece of software could go through an open and transparent review process to essentially be published at some point. And so what we really loved about that process is that there was an application by somebody to have a piece of software essentially looked at and build a conversation around. And that, that entire approval process in, in the case of the Journal of Open Source Software was done in the open and transparently. And so I think this even goes to the point that Rachel, you and Celia had brought up with not just doing the work and then kind of giving yourself a pat on the back and you're like, that's awesome. 
And we didn't also want to just have this kind of behind closed doors communication where the folks at the chaos project would say work with folks at the LF and it was kind of done in private and then a badge was just issued. So the process was intentionally put on GitHub to be open and transparent so that everybody can see the conversation that's occurring. Everybody can see the learning that's occurring. And there's actually now a, a published open and transparent record, which is awesome, by which the badge was issued. So everybody can refer to that. You can simply just go to GitHub slash badging and take a look at all the events. So it was really important for us to push the conversation into the open in an effort to make this the most transparent that we could, not only for us, but for the applicants as well. And Matt, really quickly, just to kind of reiterate on that, that's something that's actually come in really useful to us as far as planners go for the different Linux Foundation projects is having that so transparent and available that we can share with our communities. You know, we'd get questions like, okay, you have this badge, but how did we earn this? And what did you do? And we can just simply share the entire application conversation with them as a resource, which has been wonderful. So thanks for doing that. <laughs> awesome. I didn't know that that would happen. <laughs> that's fantastic to hear. <laughs> Hopefully that's okay. <laughs> that's totally okay. I think Good. that's a scenario that was just not even envisioned. That's great to hear. So adding to what Maggie said, it being open, I'm a reviewer with the Chaos Badging Initiative. And, you know, the review process is also open. The applicant gets to like see how the conversations that go on um, during the review process, which is something like really very unique. So it's always open. It's open to, you know, people to see how it's done and which is very great. And I think another thing just to kind of talk a little bit more about what Ruth was saying is that, you know, Celia and I and our colleagues on the event team, we've submitted a handful of badges for different projects and events that we're working on. And I think it's always interesting to see what different reviewers, what their feedback is. You know, it's definitely not like a canned response that we're getting from the reviewers on the team. You know, everyone has is thoughtfully weighing in and giving thoughtful opinions on this is the information that Rachel, you provided on your event. Can you go a little bit more into detail on this? Or maybe, you know, I think Ruth has given us suggestions, different things that we can implement to either gather feedback or maybe different statistics that we can try and capture and things like that. And so that has been really interesting, just working with the different reviewers in the process on what everyone's kind of take. Obviously, you know, we're all working towards the same goal, but there are different themes and areas of importance that I think different reviewers see as well, which has been really interesting to kind of go through that process and experience. It just reminds me um, when Rachel made um, the first set of submissions which are the attendee and uh, speaker demographics. At that point, uh, it was not like visible on the event site. So on the second set of submissions, uh, Rachel made, it was visible there. And I was actually really happy seeing it there because that was like a major change. So on the first set of submissions, it wasn't there. But on the second one, it was there. It shows that we are really doing a great work. The Chaos Badging Initiative is doing like a great work in making events or making open source communities, you know, aware about taking note of our diversity uh, metrics. So Celia or Rachel, one thing I'm wondering for our listeners is who have not gone through the process yet, what 
was that process like step by step? How did you get started? What was the next step? What was the next step until you got the badge? So we first heard about the Chaos Project and this DNI badge application from our SVP and GM of events at the Linux Foundation, Angela Brown. So it was an initiative that the entire events team was looped into and was decided that this was something that we would do for not only the Linux Foundation events, but also the Linux Foundation project events that we had. And Rachel and I kind of joked about this earlier. We saw that the application process was on GitHub and we view some things on GitHub, but like didn't have accounts yet. So that was kind of a new area for us, but it was all really easy, which we were very grateful for. <laughs> so just, I mean, for us, even just creating a GitHub account and submitting the first issue and continuing the conversations within that platform was new to us, but easy. And really, you know, one thing that's been great about the process is the conversation that just keeps happening. It's not just like Rachel mentioned, like a canned response or like a robot that's like getting back to you on information that's needed. It's just nice and easy to have everything there. And, and honestly, the response time has been super quick, which is very impressive and we appreciate as well. And everything is so readily available. And sorry, this isn't like a step-by-step answer that you asked for, <laughs> but the overall process has just been nice and easy and smooth. And, you know, as we mentioned, we're kind of learning ways to do things differently along the way, which is great. So don't be scared off by having to submit something on GitHub. <laughs> you can add that new skill to our resume, Celia, is GitHub users. Check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can kind of elaborate on that. So when Angela first shared the badge application and the initiative with us and the whole events team, I think Celia and I, as we're both planners, our first thought was, how can we template this? How can we make this so that this is easier for us to use? How can we come up with a plan so that we're organized? We know all the information that we want to contribute and research. So Celia and I kind of sat down and we kind of worked through the application to see exactly what was going to be asked of us, what information we needed to provide. And so we kind of put together general statistics that we collect in our registration One of the important things to note is that with all of our events and registration forms is it's opt-in information only. We never require demographic information from our attendees, which I think is really important to note. And so any of the information and the statistics and the percentages and things like that of people who are attending our event or speaking at our event, that's opt-in only. So we put together what that information is that we perhaps collect more broadly. We started to kind of look and see what information we should collect. Are there gaps? Are there areas missing? Things that can help us tell a more inclusive story about who's going to be at our event or who's participated before. So we kind of worked that through about what information we wanted to collect, what information we already collected. And then I think it was just kind of a working game between Celia and I for our specific projects that we were applying for is just gathering that information. And so, you know, it took a little bit of time because even though we did collect it, can we get it into a working format that we can share? And that's going to make sense to people looking at our diversity and inclusion webpage on our projects event. So that was just something that took a little bit of time on our part. But I would recommend for anybody who's thinking about applying for the badge is to do the work ahead of time, because then that can help you if you are going to continue to apply for badges, then that's really helpful just because we kind of had a set of information that we knew we needed to provide. And then it helped us save some time in collating that information and collecting it. 
While open source software today is powering critical infrastructure, the open source ecosystem as a whole is rapidly changing, facing challenges for governance, maintenance, maintainer burnout, funding, marketing, and more. Are you concerned about these things for your open source software too? Well, in the Sustain community, we discuss these challenges and share solutions for how to sustain open source in the long haul. We meet once per year in person, and the rest of the time we keep the fire burning in our discourse forum. Join our conversations at sustainoss.org and sustainoss on Twitter. So I have a comment and a question. So my comment is both Celia and Rachel, you both point this out. It's a shifting landscape of demographics in 2021. And I think we're gonna have to continue to be very conscious and aware about how we ask demographic questions and how we display demographic data. So this is coming from the badging initiative perspective. I think this is gonna be something that we're gonna have to revisit. And your points are very well taken, Rachel, in this regard with respect to the opt-in. So that's just more a comment. I don't know if anybody else feels that as well. And then the question that I had was based on Celia, what you and Rachel are doing, you know, kind of prior to making an application, you had talked about making DEI very important in the events that you have at the LF. Are there things, DEI related items that you are working on at the LF that we are not asking in the badging application process? And the reason I ask that is because there's work that you're doing that is helping center DEI in the events that you have. It would be great for us to know so that we can also consider the appropriate metrics and then bringing that forward in the program to highlight that good work. Sure. One of the initial pieces of feedback that we noticed from the application is it's very focused on the demographics and scholarships. So trying to think about the other elements that go into events that are DNI focused whether that be what's in the content and the agenda, like are there multiple sessions related to diversity within that certain community available? Are there events going on that bring together that diverse, the diverse attendees that are at the event? So just things that are outside of really just looking at percentages and numbers and looking at kind of the other elements that we offer. And, you know, with the transition into virtual that has certainly changed. We do have several diversity and inclusion initiatives that are implemented for on-site and in-person events. You know, whether that be non-binary restrooms or offering nursing rooms or prayer rooms and quiet rooms for people to just take a moment and kind of be by themselves. Several things that happen at our events that we're really proud of, but we wouldn't see reflected in this application, which Granted, now that I think about it, we haven't submitted one for an in-person event yet. So <laughs> um, we'll see what that's like whenever it comes. But just thinking about the other things outside of that that we can implement and and make available that would contribute to our overall score for the badge. Yeah, and I think that's important to note is that a lot of the initiatives that Celia just mentioned, so the non-binary restrooms, we also do communication stickers. So at in-person events, red, yellow, green. Are you open to communication? Are you open to meeting a stranger? Things like that. Pronoun stickers as well. So individuals can select their pronouns that they 
want to be addressed by. Those are all things that maybe are not necessarily measurable with data. And I don't know if this is something that you would want to do a pass fail on, but maybe resources that you can provide to other groups and communities that are planning events. And these are some ideas that we've seen implemented with other groups and just kind of providing a list of ideas that can be easily implemented, I think is also something that we didn't see necessarily measured on the application. Those are wonderful. <laughs> so I, I've noted all of these in the application process. Some of the things that we ask for, like code of conduct enforcement, you know, it's not necessarily measurable like demographics. So I think a lot of these could apply in that regard. So if it's to your point, Celia, about sessions regarding DEI or events that bring together diverse attendees, or then Rachel and Celia to the non-binary restrooms, nursing rooms, quiet rooms, pronouns. These are things that we certainly can ask as part of the process, not as a pass-fail, but just are the event planners attending to these particular issues? I think this is wonderful. And I think it was also important to note is when we were going through the application process, it never felt like a gotcha moment. You know, it never felt like in the application we were doing something that was bad or we were missing something that was perceived as bad. It was always more of a, this an opportunity for us to improve. And it felt like, you know, it it was always very supportive and we felt like we were given feedback, not necessarily a slap on the wrist saying this is what you should do and you're not doing it right now. This is such great feedback. Just out of curiosity, going through that process and getting that feedback, were there things that you took away from it or that you learned from, things that you would do different with your events because you went through the process? I can kind of speak to that. You know, I think one of the things that we learned throughout this process and just this whole virtual world and what will continue when we return to in-person is I think we're always looking for ways that we can improve and iterate on our practices that we already have in place. So, you know, the whole goal of our participation is just how can we be more inclusive and diverse? And so we always are trying to iterate on what we're doing. So for an example, we are asking for pronouns for our, our attendees in person. As you're on LinkedIn and GitHub, a lot of people include their pronouns, which I think is really important because we came from a time where you wouldn't ask someone what their pronouns are. And I think that's incredibly important now just to be inclusive and aware of everyone's an individual. And so one of the things that we've iterated on is before we had used the term preferred pronouns, and it was brought to our attention that you don't prefer a pronoun, your pronoun is your pronoun. And one of the things that we did is we took away that preferred nomenclature. And so I think that's one of the things that we're looking to do and, you know, just always constantly take feedback. You know, it might be a little bit hard right now to identify what will change from virtual to in-person, but I think we're just in the mindset of we're always looking for feedback and we're always looking to learn. And, you know, we don't know everything. We don't know what we don't know. And so I think that's one of the most important things for us to remember is that we're humans and we're just trying to improve. And I think the ultimate goal is just to be diverse and inclusive. This has been a fascinating conversation. And for our listeners who would like to maybe get in touch with you or follow your work, are you online somewhere where people can follow you? I think I just have the basics, LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Celia Stamps. And same for me. I believe I'm R. Braun on LinkedIn. I have a Twitter, but I am 
0% active on it. I mainly use it just to creep on other people and to follow. And <laughs> that's, you know, that's the extent <laughs> of my Twitter usage. Same. <laughs> Shamefully. <laughs> yes. That's wonderful. We'll put links to your profiles in the show notes. And we'd always like to round off our episodes with value ads, where we highlight something that has brought value, joy, or meaning to our life. It can be open source related, today DI related, or anything really that you found valuable. And I'll kick us off. As the listeners who have been with us for a while know, I'm fostering teenagers. And we just used for the first time respite, where the kids go to a different family for a couple of days. And it gives us as parents time alone where we can focus on ourselves for a little bit. And it's like sending your kids off to the grandparents for the weekend. So respite is really great service to foster parents that I just got to enjoy for the first time. And we made good use of it, went up to Sioux Falls and explored the new city that I'd never been to before. That's my value add for this time. Who would like to go next? So yeah, my value add, it's actually related to DNI. In summary, I've learned how to care for people I don't know. As a reviewer, I'm going through, I'm reviewing applications for events that I might not even attend. And I'm also trying to review these applications and make sure that uh, they're in line with our metrics. And it's sort of like caring for generally for people, not just because I know them, but because it's going to make their lives better. So me as a reviewer, reviewing our applicants, our reviewing applications from our, as regards badging, it has taught me how to care for other people, how to, you know, be more involved in diversity and inclusion as a whole, which is like really great for me. That's wonderful. And a question to Matt Snell. Do you need more reviewers for the DI badging process? Because if it's such a great experience for Ruth, maybe there are others who might be interested in getting involved as well. That's a good question to have, Georg. So I am um, interested because our review requests, our applications just completely exploded in the past few weeks. We have so many more than we thought we would have. And that being said, we're looking for people that are interested in DEI and uh, interested in badging as well that would like to help foster better DEI practices and not only events, but maybe eventually projects as well. I'll include a link in the show notes to a form that you can use to sign up to be a reviewer, or you can just reach out to me by email as well. Awesome. Thank you. Sorry for the detour. I know we are doing value ads right now, so let's get back to that. My value add is just in this time of kind of isolating and keeping your bubble very small. We're about to celebrate my niece's second birthday. And so it's been a time, I don't even know how many months, 14, 16 months of just family time. Our bubble has been essentially my immediate family. So just really looking forward to celebrating that potentially outdoors, maybe with a, a few more family members in attendance. Um, but I think just taking joy in the smaller things and smaller things, meaning, you know, just spending time with your family and really appreciating that. So just being very mindful of what I'm uh, appreciative of and loving my family. Matt Snell here. And uh, my value add is that 
on behalf of myself and my fiance, Michaela, um, we're getting married on May 15th and I'm really excited about that. I also wanted to do a piggyback value add. We just got a new dog, uh, an old miniature schnauzer. She is like seven years old and her name is Mabel because she has almost no teeth and we wanted to give her an old lady name. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Talking about getting back with family. It's getting close to morel mushroom hunting season here. It's a time when I go out with my family. And last year, we just weren't able to go out together because we couldn't sit in the car for extended periods of time. And so um, it's going to be really nice to get back out. Um, I'm in Nebraska. We do actually get all the way up to Wisconsin. So we kind of do this whole Wisconsin through Iowa tour and tracking down morel mushrooms that can be as small as about a half an inch tall to <laughs> which you wonder why you're doing it to maybe you know three or four inches tall so they come in a variety of different sizes and i'm always looking for the, the larger ones i'll uh, continue on the family theme so i've been a bit busy mentally and physically preparing for baby number two is coming in mid-july so it's funny you think about what it takes to get ready for that. And I would say it's like 90% mental and 10% physical. So <laughs> just preparing our mind and everything for that to happen, but super exciting and can't wait for that. I'd just like to say thanks to Rachel and Celia for your valuable insights, all your participation. It's really been wonderful. And thanks to Ruth and Matt and to Georg as well serving as panelists and organizers. I met German Prey. It's really been my pleasure to be here. So thanks for everybody for joining us today. So to stay up to date on future episodes, subscribe for free to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have ideas for future episode topics or would even like to come on as a guest, please email us at podcast at chaos.community. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, your chaos community.